You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. This edition of It's My Money is brought to you by Brenthurst Wealth, your partner for global wealth creation. It's Tuesday, so it's time for It's My Money, brought to you by Brenthurst Wealth, South Africa's top boutique wealth manager. And from Brenthurst Wealth this week is Renee Egar. And Renee, you sent me a piece about vaccines. And I have to say, it's becoming a more and more emotive subject and a subject that is really starting to get people quite angry about the way that certain countries, including South Africa, are handling the whole vaccine uh, rollout. What prompted you to send me this piece? Hi, Lindsay. Firstly, thanks for having me um, on your show as usual. I actually was listening to a, obviously, you know, our president president spoke on on Sunday night and social media sort of went crazy about the vaccines and we haven't got it and this and that and it hasn't been rolled uh, rolled out fast enough and people are dying and da-da-da-da-da. And that actually led me to, funny enough, start appearing on my social media like different things about, you know, COVID stats and the vaccine and what's been rolled out. And because I don't really pay much attention to it. I'm, you know, sort of focusing on investment markets and stuff and, and the stats are just sort of on the side. But I watched a really interesting fund manager from Schroeder's and he actually went through kind of the COVID numbers uh, how it affects emerging markets, and it kind of, you know, sparked my interest. So I thought that I would talk about it today. Okay, well, let me just read the first couple of sentences of the piece that you kindly sent me. It says here, we are starting to see the correlation between the speed vaccine rollouts are happening and the future expectations for economic growth. And this is with specific reference. Let me qualify my reading. Uh, specific reference to emerging markets. However, you say, in many emerging markets, South Africa included, the vaccine rates remain somewhat stuck at low levels. So what is the status, you ask, and what does this mean for emerging markets and investors? And can we be encouraged by the progress of any emerging markets in general? I think let's stick to South Africa for now, if we can, Renee, because from what I've heard, I mean, I I hear different stories. Some people have been double vaccinated, other people uh, haven't done anything about it, and they're certain commentators um, have been very vocal about the tragedy that is the lack of vaccinations in your country, South Africa. Where do you stand? Okay, so just to put it in a nutshell, I actually was listening to our economist, uh, Mark Schusler, a couple of minutes ago, and his stats were saying that poorer countries, okay, are obviously battling to get the, the vaccine actually not only manufactured and supplied, but also actually to get it to um, the people, okay? And South Africa at this stage, they are only 4.5% vaccinated, okay? Now, only in my experience, I'm only hearing of older people now sort of going to the second phase of the vaccine. So whether that 4.5% is fully vaccinated or not, it doesn't seem the case for me. But I can honestly bet it down to a function of of supply. And basically, we haven't been able to get the vaccine fast enough. It's been a very, very slow output compared to developed markets. So the US, for example, you know, they've They've been able to hoard vaccines from many suppliers around the world. So they almost have like an oversupply. 
And um, another stat that our economist gave me this morning was that by weekend, nearly 3.1 billion vaccines of the 4 billion manufactured would be basically given, okay? Yes. And in total, this means that the world is only about 15% fully vaccinated by now. And that skews the whole thing because you're looking at the US and the UK and all these, these big countries that have, you know, the bulk of the vaccinations that have happened there. So it's very, very skewed at the moment. And there is a there is a concern, you know, how this affects a lot of emerging markets like in Asia, across Africa, where the supply is too small to make an impact. So um, what we've got to do, Renee, then is, is, is say, OK, you can sort of generalise when it comes to how many people globally have been vaccinated. But as you quite rightly say, it is skewed. So you should have different asset classes. You should say the developed world, almost like a G7 vaccination index, United States, Germany, Italy, Spain, France, etc. All those uh, countries. And then you go to uh, the African continent. You have to split it up geographically. The problem is, how do we approach the, the, the problem in South Africa, for example, is it the lack of supply? Is it, is it transportation problems? Is it logistics problems, which is more or less the same as uh, transportation, but uh, on a different level, on the ground level? Or is it just lack of application? In other words, the developed world is sending vaccines to South Africa, but South Africa doesn't take those vaccines and put them to good use. I'm sort of rambling a bit here, but it, it's terribly frustrating yeah. to know why people in South Africa are not getting vaccinated look i i think it's a it's a combination of of all of the above type of things so you know there was the the first thing when we had was it was it the astrogenica vaccines that came and then we didn't use them yeah then it went down then it was there was a potential problem with the johnson and johnson then we've got the pfizer which is the the two dose but i think it's basically a lack of supply there's also been, I mean, I must say, my parents went to the to the vaccine station and it was very, very well organized and very impressive. They got their numbers via SMS. And so when you go in there and you're going into state hospitals and state in Cape Town particularly, you're going to state institutions and it, it's actually been pretty impressive. But I think it's it, it's a lack of supply to be to be dead honest. You know, there was also that whole um, story about the money for the vaccines going missing and uh, McKeezy being suspended. And so there are a lot of sort of uncertainty actually why that's happening. But, you know, just to get sort of back to my to my content, um, from an investor point of view, there's a clear link here to economic activity and emerging markets that can fully not reopen. I'll give an example. Say, for instance, Chile, okay, yeah, okay. and countries in, in, in Central Eastern Europe, they were able to actually access vaccines. And in a few months' time, they are going to be fully vaccinated. Then you come across, you know, South Africa, for example. And, I mean, you could see the tired look on our president's face on Sunday evening when he announced our you know, stage four 
well, I call it stage four because I'm so used to you, you referring to ESCOM, but our level four lockdown, you know, it's just, it's so evident to see that this lockdown is going to fully impact on our economy again. And we had just kind of started recovering to the case of our economy, our JSC picked up, our, um, we had a good run in commodities and everything had started picking up again to pre-COVID levels. And now it looks like we're just going back. So, you know, from, from But it's only two weeks. I mean, at the moment, Renee, it's only two weeks. I mean, yeah. okay, two weeks of suppressed productivity for the South African economy, but it, it's only two weeks and it's a tiny little blip. Yes. And uh, what will happen is that the companies that will be most affected, i.e. the hospitality industry, the retailers perhaps as well, mm. unless, they, unless they have a good online presence, they will, they will bounce back. And during the lockdown period, uh, if it is only two weeks, they'll do stuff mm. to make themselves more, more efficient. What are you saying? You say here many uh, economists expect global equities to be the top performing asset class over the next five years, albeit volatility to be expected. Well, we always expect uh, uh, volatility. What do you do when you when you have a look at the JSE now as an advisor at Brentos Wealth? Do you okay. say we should look at domestic stocks or we should look at stocks that are listed on the JSE that also have an overseas exposure? I you know, NASPES, for example, or Process, for example, or British American Tobacco. You know what I'm saying? Okay, so I get this this question all the time, and particularly lately since the JSC has shown, an, uh, shown some improvement and there's been um, a lot of inflows into South Africa, into the commodity, into our bond market cycles, et cetera, et cetera. But what I would say is that if you were to ask me today where – I want to invest my money and why am I not bringing my money back out of dollars and putting it into the JSE? And these are the reasons why. Okay. Firstly, we obviously get a lot of intel from economists and from fund managers and globally from a global point of view. And they definitely, definitely, definitely have got the view that offshore, in other words, global equities over the next five years, will definitely be the place to be invested. And the world in general, interest rates are going to remain lower for longer. Okay, so offshore, definitely still a thing, okay? People look at the JC, okay? And what they don't understand, they they sort of look at it as as broad-based South Africa, okay, which it is, but... 20% 20% of the JSC is made up of NASPERS and 65% of the JSC All Share Index is made up of local companies with offshore earnings. So those we call RAND hedges. So my question is, why would you want to go into a, let's call it a limited selection of offshore investments when your scope directly offshore is so much bigger. So South Africa makes up less than 1% of the world economy and it's, it's shrinking by the day. There are lots of uh, companies that are, that, that are actually delisting from the JSC. Right. So I don't, you know, I don't believe I would rather have my money directly offshore because I can invest in, a lot more different sectors. So 
you know, it's not to say that, you know, we're negative South Africa and um, and things like that. It's just, it's from an opportunity point of view. And, you know, forget about, you know, everyone's the RAND, the RAND, the RAND, the RAND. But the bottom line is whatever happens with the RAND is a bonus. And you're looking for that offshore growth in dollar terms. So, for example, you know, if you look at your whole portfolio, you forget that you've got, I don't know, let's call it 6 million, 7 million rand invested in your property. That's in South Africa. That's not growing. You've got pockets in the Western Cape where it grows, but other than that, your property is not growing. And then you've got your pension fund, which is um, 70% stuck in, in SA anyway. And then you've got the, the opportunity of offshore. So you just have to look at it all from a, a proper allocation point of view. And I think the, the important thing to, to note is that this commodity cycle that is currently happening, you know, it's not going to be a long-term thing. It's going to be maybe two to three years, and then the RAND might decline well, or maybe fall out of bed altogether. Not fall out of bed, but certainly history dictates that the, the RAND does weaken over time. I mean, at the moment, obviously, the yeah. interest rate dif- differential and inflation differential has narrowed somewhat between ourselves and the United States of America and uh, other developed economies. But on the other hand, the RAND will, I mean, I, this is what I'm saying, I'm not, this yeah. is not a Brentos comment, this is a Lindsay Williams comment, the RAND will probably mm. deteriorate over the, over the next few years, despite the fact it's done very well recently. Oh, are we using, Renee, are we using the pandemic, the global health crisis, as I prefer to call it, are we using the GHC as uh, an yet another excuse to diversify? Because we don't really need diversification excuses in South Africa, do we? It's made sense over the years, in fact, even over the decades. You know, I think people are emotional, okay? They look at what's in the media and they on the phone and they apply it directly to their portfolios. So, you know, South Africa has recovered to pre-COVID levels. But in the last 30 years, the RAND has had seven positive years. That's a quarter. So long term, you have to ask yourself, would you rather own RANDs or dollars? And, you know, there's nothing stopping you from bringing your dollars back to RANDs. But... Under our current um, political, um, you know, tax bill declining um, kind of phase, people are immigrating, our municipalities are failing, we have got an unemployment rate, a unemployment rate for ages 18 to 25-year-olds is currently at 69%. That is huge. Um, so I just... I just believe that you need to have hard currency somewhere in your portfolio. I'm not SA negative. There could be there could be some really really you know good stocks that that come into play. You know car sales are going up, retailers. Um, there are definitely pockets of value in the South African market. It's just from a general point of view, you have to. You have to look elsewhere for for growth. Okay. Investing is not going to come in a straight line anymore. And I do still believe that double-digit returns are going to be very difficult to achieve, especially when 
there are no interest rates and very little worldwide. The way I look at it is like this, Renee. Your base case is uh, obviously cast in stone, and it has been very successful over the years at Brenthurst and all sorts of other fund managers as well, wealth managers as well. Uh, but, but what you have to do, I think, is have a look at certain South African stocks and say, okay, well, my core position is overseas. But on the other hand, there are certain South African stocks that are going to benefit from the eventual uh, release from lockdown and release from the global health crisis, and just have a look at those as well. So little stocks that are not little but uh, certain stocks or companies that are orbiting your core position that as a a layman is how i would approach it absolutely lindsay i agree with you 100 percent. there's nothing stopping you from having a fully diversified portfolio and as things in south africa improve of course we will we will consider a bigger weight waiting to south african equity but at the moment it's all just a little bit let's call it uncertain. Yes. Have you had your jab yet? Your vaccine yet? No, I haven't. Are you, are <laughs> I, you, are you going to? I th- I'm definitely going to. Um, I, I actually can't wait. I want to get it done and dusted because I'm actually very scared of getting it. I don't have any comorbidities or anything like that, but I really want to move on from this and start living again. Renee, thank you so much for your insight. That's Renee Egar from Brenthurst Wealth. And that was It's My Money. It's My Money was brought to you by Brenthurst Wealth, an award-winning boutique wealth management company. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.